Hello, my name is Dean Bobar, and I am the Adult Life Minister at Christ Pacific Church in Huntington Beach, California. As a church, we are seeking to cultivate a vibrant community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world so our neighbors may also experience God's goodness. You're listening to our Year in the Bible podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us or to subscribe to this podcast, visit us at cpchb.org. The Bible contains some of the most magnificent literature in the world. The books of First and Second Samuel tell well-told and gripping stories of a unique time in Israel's history. First Samuel speaks of the transition to monarchy, and Second Samuel is about the rise and fall of David. Let's spend a bit of time in each book to see how God was at work with and through God's people. It's helpful to approach First and Second Samuel together. In fact, the two books are put together in one book in the Hebrew Bible with the name Samuel. Why are these two books connected with the name Samuel, even though he's not even found in 2 Samuel? It's because Samuel is an important transitional figure in the history of Israel. Through Samuel's leadership, God takes Israel from being a loose tribal federation to a monarchy. Before becoming a monarchy, Israel was a theocracy. That is, they were under direct rule by God. In addition to Samuel, Saul and David also share the historical stage with God as the main character of the narratives. Remember that God is the main character throughout the whole big story of Scripture. Samuel and Saul share the stage in 1 Samuel chapters 1 through 15. Saul and David are center stage in 1 Samuel chapters 16 through 31. Finally, David is the main focal point in 2 Samuel. Let's start by unpacking 1 Samuel. This book is about the transition to monarchy. Samuel embodies many different roles as he leads Israel from a loose tribal confederation into a monarchy. He's identified as Israel's last judge. He acts as a prophet to confront God's people, and he even seems to function as a priest to lead God's people in worship. In the first seven chapters of 1 Samuel, Samuel and his son take over leadership of Israel from Eli and his sons. Chapters 8 through 15 narrate the rise and demise of Saul under the guidance of Samuel as a prophet. The reason God rejected Saul as king was because of his lack of a trusting obedience to God. After Saul, God would choose David to be his kind of king. Again, Samuel plays an important role. Through his prophetic work, Samuel is led by God to choose David. In the midst of this process, there's an important statement from God about whom God chooses and how he does so. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, speaking of one of David's brothers, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. While Samuel sees only the outward appearance, God can also look on the heart. This verse gets to the heart of the story and message of First and Second Samuel. God sovereignly sees, judges, and saves, saves based on the heart and life of God's people 
and their leaders. Of the three main human characters in First and Second Samuel, David seems to be the most important for Israel's history and faith. David is the only character left on stage in Second Samuel among the main human characters. In this book, we see the rise and fall of David. Now, in the latter part of 1 Samuel, David rose as Saul fell. In chapters 1 through 10, we see David rise, and the remainder of the book tells of David's fall. David's continued rise to power in 2 Samuel verses 1 through 10 includes his consolidation of power, establishing a religious and political center in Jerusalem, and perhaps most importantly, God's covenant with David and his royal line. Let's hear part of God's word to King David through Nathan, the prophet. It says, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Those are verses 12 through 16 of Second Samuel chapter 7. In this chapter, David seeks to build a house, a temple for God, but God declares that he will build a house, a dynasty for David. You see, there's a play on words in the Hebrew. Both words can mean house and temple. It will be David's son Solomon, however, who will build a temple in Jerusalem. Also, God will discipline wayward kings in the future amongst David's royal line, but God will ultimately show steadfast love to David and his lineage. In light of the full story of redemption, it becomes clear that Jesus, the son of David, is the final son of David who stays on the throne of David forever. Thus, God fulfills this promise in an unexpected way. Listen to the angel Gabriel's initial message to Mary, who will become the mother of Jesus. Out of Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 33. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Unfortunately for David, he will be unfaithful to God. When he sins with Bathsheba and arranges for the murder of her husband as we make our way back to Second Samuel. When confronted by Nathan the prophet, David repents and returns to God. God forgives David, but David does not escape the consequences of these sins. David will see tumult and trouble in his personal family and throughout the whole kingdom. 
Now, as followers of Jesus, we can see both the power of God and the power of sin. Thankfully, God is sovereign in his grace and has overcome sin, death, and the devil through King Jesus. However, this does not mean that we should take lightly sin's presence and power in our lives. It seems fitting to close with Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which, sin, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Thanks so much for joining us for our Year in the Bible podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our Year in the Bible campaign to subscribe or learn how you can become engaged with us as a church, please visit us at cpchb.org.